Welcome to Twitch of the Death Nerve, a cult movie podcast. Are you fucking kidding me, John? Are you fucking kidding me, man? I I, at least did it away from the microphone. Welcome to Twitch of the Death Nerve, a cult movie podcast that takes a deep dive into a different film each episode. Our wide-ranging discussions will touch on genre, culture, and the history of psychotronic cinema. I'm Charles. I'm Sam. I'm John. And while the three of us obviously love discussing niche genre films, whether they be Chinese ghost stories or gnarly exploitation flicks or fucking Mondo documentaries, I mean, whatever, we... We talk about a lot of crazy shit on this show, but it's halfway to Halloween, and I think we're all sort of missing our our spooky brethren, our horror, you know, our fucking real devil shit. Well, it's a good thing that Valpurgis Noct is two days away, and Beltane is the day after that, and if you don't know what those things are, we will definitely go into them this episode, and... Really, they're two important witchy holidays that sort of bleed into each other. So we decided to watch a bunch of witch movies, namely the really, I think, overlooked but atmospheric and wonderful City of the Dead, a.k.a. Horror Hotel. This is Whitewood, Massachusetts. A young girl, a stranger has come to Whitewood to do research. She has come, she thinks, to study. Leave Whitewood. Leave Whitewood tonight. I beg of you, leave before it is too late. In spite of this warning, the girl lingers on. guests are over 300 years old. Human blood keeps them alive forever. I definitely was itching to get back into the horror genre and any excuse, you know, be it uh, Valpurgis knocked, Satan's birthday, if he has a birthday, I'm not too sure. He's eternal. A, a specific type of horror movie like i watch horror movies all year round but like these black and white gothic horror movies they're october movies oh yeah me. but every now and then like we just did i like throwing one on in like the warm weather like i like watching like a hammer movie in july just like it feeling out of place actually gives it like a niceness to it yeah and i guess the fact that these are technically uh in place or there's a reason to do it right uh so sam what exactly i mean like i know what may day is i've seen you know wicker man and midsummer and shit like that but what is valpurgis knocked so when you say you know about May Day, May Day is just kind of the colloquial, we'll talk about the political May Day a little bit later, which has some very interesting parallels. But the pagan celebration of May Day is known at least to the Celtic practitioners as Beltane. So when I mentioned Beltane a minute ago, that's May 1st. And Beltane is a festival that marks the beginning of summer. It's all about fertility, which the maypole 
as you know, they explain so adroitly in the Wicker Man is basically just a giant phallic representation. A penis. Yeah. Valpurgis Noct is a little more complicated. So Valpurgis Noct to medieval Europe, especially Central Europeans, Germans, Austrians, it was the night of the witches. It's the night before Beltane, so April 30th, when witches would gather on the Brocken Mountain, which is in the Hartz Mountains. It's a place that you can actually go. And they would have this giant orgy celebration and hang out with Satan and have all kinds of illicit sex not meant for reproduction outside of, you know, Christian morals and everything. This was sort of celebrated in medieval Europe mostly as a night to ward off witches. It was a night when you would put it, which it's still celebrated in some German villages now, the way that we celebrate like fucking St. Patrick's Day. You put on a silly costume and you make a shitload of noise and you get riotously drunk, allegedly to ward off the witches. And I, you know, it's no coincidence that Valpurgisnacht is Beltane Eve. Okay, I didn't realize they were like the two of the same thing. I kind of thought they were like two different holidays. Well, there's there's definitely a crossover. So Beltane is a specifically Irish kind of Celtic pagan holiday, but it's celebrated by many different pagan belief systems around Europe by different names. It's just the beginning of the summer harvest, a time when you want to bless your loins and your livestock yeah. and Honestly, your fields. It's really hard for me to picture like an Irish person who's just not like a weepy-eyed Catholic. Okay, well, the Celts were a whole different thing than Irish Catholics. I mean, for one thing, they were a people who got to thrive before the persecution by British Christians. And wh where, how did you figure, like, why do you know this shit is, is my real question, <laughs> I guess. Well, I guess there are two answers. So one answer is I was raised Catholic, uh, Irish and German Catholic. And when did you go astray? When I was eight years old, I said, this is bullshit. I don't believe any of this. And part of that is because I was a really avid reader as a kid. And one of the first things I read, my dad gave me all these books of mythology and folklore. So it was like from a really young age, I was like, oh, there are all these other belief systems. This one just happens to be a really lame kind of folklore Yeah, this where is just no one gets to have any fun. Yeah. Why do we pick the one where no one's allowed to fuck? <laughs> yeah. When I denounced my Catholicism, when I realized no God could get in between me and my dad's porno mags in the garage, that was, yeah. like, <laughs> was like, no God strong enough. Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> well, in many other religions, God or the gods wouldn't be trying. Crying. Yeah, but seem like the correct ones to me. Yeah, but my real introduction to specifically Valpurgisnacht, which I think will be true for a lot of people listening to this episode, is Disney's Fantasia. There's a segment called Night on Bald Mountain that I watched a million fucking times as a kid because it was in this Disney Channel compilation that they played every Halloween called Disney's Halloween. I, I made you watch it last year. It's... Oh, uh, uh, 
yeah, yeah, Disney's Halloween treats. treats yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember you. Yeah, that was cool. It's so good. But the segment in Fantasia called Night on Ball Mountain, that is based on a piece of music by Modest Masorgsky, which he wrote because he was inspired by all these Russian legends, including one similar story to Valpurgisnacht. I think it's called St. John's Eve, where witches gather to worship Satan on April 30th. So the music is based on the legend and the animation, which is super cool. I'm sure everybody's familiar with it, is also supposed to be a reproduction of what happens on Valpurgisnacht. Okay, so Valpurgisnacht is just like the night where the witches like go out and fucking party. It's like they their... lick, they lick the devil's asshole. And... That's incredible. So it's like their New Year's Eve celebration. It's their Christmas. It's their Super Bowl. It's it's their Halloween, kind of. Or... I notice a lot of these yeah. like take place the day before like another religious holiday, and I always wondered, is that because like it's supposed to be like the reversal, the mockery of that one? Well, it's because these holidays. So there, there are these kind of core holidays in European paganism, and one of the things we'll talk about when when we get to fully discussing City of the Dead is. That one is supposed to take place on Candlemas, which is where the band gets its name. The actual Celtic name is Imbolc, and it's February 1st. It's right before your birthday, John. And it's this festival of light that's meant to be the halfway point between winter and spring. So it sort of symbolizes that the world is waking up again, and all the flowers and plants that died are starting to bud and come to life. Okay, and before we get into City of the Dead, and this is a question I kind of have because you've watched quite a few of these witch movies that uh, some of them I almost, like, they don't really feel like witch movies because to me, I don't think of paganism necessarily as just being, like, witchcraft. Or is that, or is that like, historically, like, the way that, like, when they were burning witches and shit, they were going after pagans, or...? Well... Let me answer your question and finish answering John's question. So, because it's the same answer. Okay, so cool. John's John's question was, why do these holidays seem to happen one day after another? And it's because there were these pagan traditions, what we would now call pagan traditions, in place that Christianity attempted to stamp out. And to answer John's question they couldn't really convince people to stop celebrating these holidays that basically go in line with the seasonal changes. And so instead of trying to just erase them, which they weren't successful at, they just slapped a Christian holiday on top of it and called it St. Whatever's Day. And so there's this really interesting bleed over that, ties in definitely to the witch hunts where you have all of these like folk traditions and folk beliefs that have to do with you know the land and folklore and mythology that are just like a part of people's lives but that during the witch hunts definitely were things targeted by the inquisitors but so to answer your question It's complicated because I think there are two different ways to answer this. One is to talk about neo-pagans, people like me, who are, you know, sort of part of this very nebulous 
more spiritual than religious set of beliefs. And certainly some of us would say, yes, we are witches who practice magic, but not everybody in medieval Europe or early medieval Europe would describe themselves that way. But certainly there were people who it's sort of like now every Catholic isn't a priest, but there are certain people who are. Does that kind of parallel make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So it's like you could be a person who believes in this whole pantheon of gods and much like I I feel like the best modern day parallel is Japanese Shintoism, where they have this nature religion that has a really loose set of rules, but people acknowledge gods and spirits and ancestors that's kind of how it was in medieval, especially early medieval Europe. But some of them, yeah, were witches. Well, some of these movies that we're going to talk about, would you consider them to be witch movies necessarily? Like, because I guess there's no real, like, you know, hooked nose, pointy hat, flying through the air, fucking devilry or like really not a lot of overt magic like sometimes they'll like change something there'll be like some transmutation but to me these feel like weird pagan ritual movies like the wicker man right but that's where i'm kind of i get kind of confused because okay everything i know about witches i learned from movies which i know is not the real deal but i know like a lot of movies witches worship the devil but i feel like the devil is a christian concept while i also know like it seems to be linked with paganism which is something that was around long before christianity and i just kind of get lost like is there is like the witch thing like uh like a crossover between the two or did it develop independently between two things sort of like you know how um asia and europe both had dragons even though they're different but they still had the dragon thing and I, I didn't know, like, which one really I feel is like where they really come from. My guess would be is that, like, because, like, paganism is obviously, like, lots of gods, you know? They got all kinds of shit going on. That in in Christianity, when you'd have, like, things that are, like, Satan, like, the devil and shit like that, like, that almost feels like carryover, okay, you know? Right, like, they're right. bringing in some of them. Right. They're like... Like, we're going to leave out the sun god and, like, the gods of fertility, like, the good ones, and we're going to roll them up into the fucking capital G. No. No. Well, the sun gods, yes, absolutely. The fertility god, that's really where you run into trouble because the fertility god wants you to take your clothes off and dance around in a field and fuck random people, and that's right out with medieval Catholicism. So... This is a complicated question that, you know, we can't answer in one podcast because there's all kinds of historical elements. And also, this is a movie podcast. Yes. But basically, (laughs) you're dead on in the sense that because medieval and pre-medieval paganism and certainly early religions like Greek and Roman religion are pantheistic... That's just like the worst kind of horrible heresy to Christianity. So areas where people still held on to those beliefs, they either found a way to turn those deities into Christian saints, like the Virgin Mary 
is just a goddess cult that they sort of absorbed yeah. into that's my favorite part about catholicism is that like i feel like some catholics are really really dancing oh, with paganism they like so, love that shit yes. they, they worship some of their saints and they fucking pray their saints and i'm like yo dude that's that's pretty well, cool. So, Look at you, little pagan man. I always so that felt- answers your question from earlier, where, like, what's magic and what isn't? Like, my grandmother would have this altar in the doorway of our house, and she would light candles and incense to things, and, like, to Christian things. And I do the same thing, but I don't... I'm basically a pagan atheist, so it's different, but There's it There's gotta look- be a shorter way of saying but that. But it looks the same on paper. So it's like there's really this sort of nebulous line between religious worship and witchcraft. It's just sort of what you're yeah. witchcraft is like for a specific aim. Totally. And and that's why I think that these this particular subset of movies that we watched are so interesting. Like and and it's almost interesting the ones that we we didn't watch that we left out. Like we didn't watch like, any Italian movies. Any Italian movies, yeah. And and oddly enough, what the one that we didn't watch that I feel like could probably fit is is Haxon. Well, I yeah, feel like, like Haxon doesn't count because the movies that we watched are all sort of like City of the Dead in that they're movies that sort of they're all British movies that posit that witches are real. They worship Satan or some sort of natural force that seems satanic to Christians. And they have these real magic rituals that they perform for a specific end. Whereas Haxon is like a pseudo documentary that talks about how witches are really just like these poor women who are persecuted and who like mentally ill women. So all of the movies that we watched, the witchcraft, it's real. And a lot of times they are the characters who you you identify with and you kind of root for throughout it. Oh yeah. I mean obviously like the wicker man, like the fucking detective who's there, he's got like a stick up his ass. It's just like get the fuck out of this town. You don't belong here. They need to fucking get their crops going again. Good afternoon, Sergeant Howie. I trust the sight of the young people refreshes you. No, sir. It does not refresh me. Oh sorry. One should always be open to the regenerative influences. I understand you're looking for a missing girl. I found her. Splendid. In her grave. Your lordship is a justice of the peace. I need your permission to exhume her body, have it transported to the mainland for a pathologist's report. You suspect uh, foul play? I suspect murder. And conspiracy to murder. In that case, you must go ahead. Your lordship seems strangely unconcerned. I'm confident your suspicions are wrong, Sergeant. We don't commit murder up here. We're a deeply religious people. Religious? With ruined churches. No ministers, no priests. And children dancing naked. They do love their divinity lessons. But they are... are naked. Naturally, it's much too dangerous to jump through the fire with your clothes on. And and in City of the Dead... It's a little bit more nefarious in it, City of the Dead. It is. All right. I guess uh, I have a little plot synopsis for City of the Dead, if you guys don't mind. I kind of want to 
rattle this off just to catch anyone up who hasn't seen the film. It was uh, produced in England, but set in America. City of the Dead, a.k.a. Horror Hotel, is a horror film from 1960 where a precocious young student named, named Nan Barlow, who, on the recommendation of her professor, travels to the sleepy Massachusetts town of Whitewood to do some research into witchcraft. She finds the town occupied by the reincarnation of an infamous witch who was burned at the stake in the 17th century. To sustain her immortality, virgins must be sacrificed to the witch every year. And this year, the student is the chosen victim. I, I kind of like this synopsis because of where it, it stops describing the movie. Oh, yeah. We should say, I know City of the Dead came out in 1960. So it's like, I feel like it is kind of obscure and I run into people who don't even have never heard of it, but like spoilers. Yeah. The only reason why I, I knew this movie is because of a, a song by some band I used to listen to when I was a kid. <laughs> when you were a kid, why not still now? I'm, I'm wearing a Sam Hain shirt right now. <laughs> but, but yeah, this movie is, is definitely really, really interesting partly because of when it came out in 1960 and the way that it depicts certain things. But the one thing that really kind of like freaked me out, I don't know if, if you felt this way, John, is because uh, Horror Hotel, City of the Dead, is a British-American co-production. Ish. Uh, it, ish. <laughs> it, it, this seems to me like this was like a British film that they got some like a couple Americans to be in, but every single person was doing an American accent and they were all British people. And it was shot in this funny way that the entire time I watched it, it felt like some like uncanny Valley shit was going on, which was like kind of creepy and weird. And, and I think unintentional, but added to the atmosphere. Did you pick up on that at all? Slightly. It, I get it. It feels kind of like, if like a Euro horror film was like made by Americans, even though it's made by British people, but like, it feels like, yeah. it, like, like if Richard Matheson wrote like an Italian Gothic horror movie, but a hammer ripoff studio ended up making it. If, if that makes sense. Well, that's like the inverse of what this is. Right. But yeah, totally. but that's how it feels like to me. Yeah. It's, it's really strange. Like, and I, I didn't notice what it was that was weird about it until like halfway through because it just something felt off. And I was like, what's this feeling? That but I it have? should because the, the movie, first of all, the movie's gorgeous. And it it's, it's a movie that I watch every October. It's like a perfect like Halloween movie. And the atmosphere, there's fog everywhere. And there's this ugly, decrepit town. And it seems to take place in another world. It's sort of like... um the Roger Corman pit in the pendulum where it seems to take place like just in like some fucking studio lot. Right. But also <laughs> like in like a bizarre, you know, fucking madman's mind kind of thing. And uh, I think that's what make gives the movie. It's like, I mean, that's my number one positive of the movie is it just feels like an October film through and through. It also it reminds me of like the 50s American like low budget sci-fi horror-ish movies that look like they were shot for like five dollars like 
I agree that it's absolutely gorgeous and it does really capture that like Halloween vibe, but it looks like like half the time, especially we watched this, was it a Blu-ray? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And I've never seen uh, like a restored high def version of it before. I've only seen like the crappy like DVD version. Yeah. And I do think this is a very specific kind of like 50s 60s horror movie problem where when it gets restored when things get restored to blu-ray sometimes you're like wow this is so cheap but like yeah not in a bad i'm not saying that in a bad way it just it's like kind of endearing for sure but with this what was interesting about it is that they clearly this movie was made with a shoestring budget but it it doesn't really feel or look that cheap throughout it. Like even though there's only like four or five like locations in the whole film, uh, there's I think it's just like the way that it's photographed is really really pretty, and and also, and, and even when the acting is bad, which there are some actors in this movie who oh my are God the boyfriend and the just the, the brother and the boyfriend I, they're the less worst. than capable. Let's, yeah, uh, but say. that's. That's where, like, I agree with you with that whole 50s vibe, Sam. Yes. Like, they really feel like, like, oh, no, like, giant salamanders are going to eat the town. Totally. Like, like they have that you kind You almost of kind of expect that, like, sound effect that, like, ooh. Yes, yes. Yeah, where's my like, water phone? I don't think they were using water phones no, in 1960. No, no. But <laughs> it's like the slowed down version of that Halloween ghost bouncing tree ornament. It does. But it doesn't have that sound effect, but it feels like it wouldn't be too far off in this movie. And and I think because it has that vibe, but what it's about is like this fucking like witch burning devil fucking locked cursed town doing fucking demon shit. It's just it's unexpected like to get that kind of like plot done so straightforward in a movie that feels like almost like a sci fi man in a suit. Or like yeah, zipper back movie but but like that's what i think is so enjoyable about the movie where it's stuck in those like kind of parameters but is somehow like just breaks out of them like all the stuff in the interiors looks cheap you know uh the the christopher lee's like weird His study. study yeah yeah but the actual like town like that set is is gorgeous. It's beautiful, and of course it looks like a set, but that's that's fine with me. And it's just like all the building, all those graves that are crooked, the fog everywhere. It's just yeah. so perfect. So when the movie opens up, it, it's this like an incredible production of like basically it's like a like the end of the crucible they're walking the witch through the town. Everyone's fucking you know cursing her and shit, and she's like going to the not the gallows, but the fucking the stake to well, be burned up, to be burnt up. As a man of culture, I I it reminds me of Black Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> I don't which, know. which Black Sunday is the same year yeah. as this movie. They both both movies basically have the same opening scene where this female witch is identified as being a Satan worshiper, and of course, it's not Barbara Steele in City of the Dead. But there's this whole elaborate scene that is really gorgeous showing how you know she is it it implies that she's not a woman being unfairly persecuted as in black sunday they both are legit satan worshipers and are being burned at the stake and 
will return again. Like there are just wild parallels between the two. Yeah, but what I what I love is the juxtaposition between that opening scene and then they cut to present day and it's like it, it's like going from Black Sunday to a low-key Ed Wood movie for a couple minutes. And I feel like so much of that to go back to what you were saying earlier about this whole like weird uncanny valley is it british is it american what's happening thing i think part of what makes it feel so low budget is these fucking dudes who play so the main character that you mentioned nan who is a college student who wants to do this term paper she's fucking gung-ho she's gonna use her winter break to go and candle mass by the way which is when this takes place is february 1st so i don't know what college is getting a break the last week of january but it sounds awesome but like in my head this is what british people think american college boys are like it's like her brother and her boyfriend are just idiots who don't want to or her boyfriend is an idiot who doesn't want to listen to the lecture but is like super protective of her in this like gross meathead way that you would see in like an american 50s sci-fi movie yeah and the only like uh person who's like really like looking out for the girl is her like friendly professor who's played by christopher her lee hot professor yeah <laughs> it's i mean i'm sure it was nice for him to come right off of curse of frankenstein 57 heart of dracula 58 and here he is still evil spoiler alert but doesn't have to put any makeup on finally also i don't think we said this was produced by milton sabatsky who very shortly after went on to who's an american producer and writer i think maybe he didn't produce this but he wrote it went on to to found amicus no he did produce it and max rosenberg his co-founder uh, of Amicus also produced yeah, Which it. is like more uncanny valley because like you have these two Americans founding this like the second greatest British horror studio. So I have a, a weird thing about this. So they're from America. This movie um, spoilers once again is very much structured like Psycho. Uh, we have Nan Barlow. She goes to the town. You think she's the lead character. Ends up getting she sacrificed. She is for the first half. Exactly. Yeah. It's very Marion Crane. Psycho the book was out at this point. And Amicus, who did Tales from the Crypt, Vault of Horror, House at Drip Blood, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, Robert Block wrote a good chunk of those. Most of those, the, the anthology stories are based off of Block stories. Not yeah, the, they love him. The EC ones. And I'm thinking like... I don't think it, it was a coincidence. Mm, I wonder no. if they were well aware of Psycho, the novel, at For least. For sure. That that's actually a a really good connection to make. I think I think that could be right. That, that's be, my I fan like theory. that. I like that. Yeah. It would have to be so eerily coincidental that they just happen to have such a similar plot structure totally. to Psycho. Like they had to have okay, known so of the story. We keep you know, dancing around this little spoiler thing. And, and John just mentioned it. So the way it's it's structured like Psycho is that you follow this character along for the, the whole movie, or at least until a halfway point, when she's, she's doing her research, she goes to this town. The town's a little fucking creepy. 
more than a little. Yeah, there's there's fucking fog everywhere. Like it's like a goddamn spirit Halloween in half the fucking places. <laughs> it is like a spirit Halloween. And she's like, she walks into this fucking seance thing, and just like gets fucking murked by these witches. Well, she gets like tricked into the whole thing because yeah. it's almost it almost feels like. A pretty true to life 50s allegory of like this woman is too smart and too intellectually curious so naturally we're gonna have to jam a sacrificial knife into her chest yeah and another psycho parallel janet lay wears a bra in the beginning of psycho which was like big and taboo yeah it was super risque nan barlow wears this like sexy like onesie you see her get changed which was had to have been pretty taboo why do i not remember this no you do remember we talked about it she doesn't wear a sexy onesie she wears so part of what you would wear under like a more formal dress is this like almost it almost looked like a bathing suit but it's a it's like a full it's like torso a corset, corset. Yeah. and oh, that yeah. attaches to her garters because there's this scene where she so she strolls into the local antique store which happens to be run by the only person in town who doesn't know what the fuck's going on who just like lets her borrow this book from the 1400s oh, or some honestly shit. it's an excellent scene of just like premium like dialogue like i don't it's know so good what is that mammoth that just came in the lovely locket may i see it i believe it's quite old oh it is you're very lucky i'm even more lucky to have found this a treatise on devil worship in new england this must be a very rare book i'm afraid i couldn't afford to buy it you can borrow it if you like oh could i that would be wonderful i promise i'll bring it back in a few days you're very welcome, Miss uh, Barlow. Nan Barlow. Nan Barlow. Thank you very much. Good night. Good night. Well, so she borrows the book, and there's this scene where she's just like chilling in this kind of fancy bathrobe, reading this giant book about satanic witchcraft. But the proprietress of the inn, who we know is really just this witch who's kept herself alive for hundreds of years keeps trying to convince her to come down and be social and in this one scene she takes her bathrobe off and underneath has a full corset and garters and stockings on and that's what john's talking about and it's like that shit looks so uncomfortable why would you be lounging around with a bathrobe over top of it i i know why (laughs) you we know the audience of this movie boys in the drive-in were fucking like ooh. boys of the drive-in were into that combo the weird triangle boobs that those corsets would give you i think that the fact that she gets fucking iced halfway through this flick uh, it's still surprising yeah Yeah. it's very surprising like even if like you don't know what's gonna happen in psycho people are like oh psycho i remember as a kid it made me so mad when i saw it in psycho but when i saw it in this a few years later because i found it on one of those like like 60s 70s horror mega sets you could get at best buy that had like fucking 40 movies on there five dollars i remember being surprised by this like i was like wait is she really dead (laughs) like what yeah so when we were talking about doing this episode and we were trying to pick which movie to watch and john i think you were the one that suggested horror hotel Mm -hmm. i I was thinking like because i had never seen it before i was like 
Wait, Horror Hotel? I thought that was like a fucking like Monster Mash movie. Because <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I remember when we were kids and you like became like the poster guy. Oh, yeah. And yeah. you switched over to only like original one sheets. Yeah. You started collecting like the old OG posters. Every single poster that you had that wasn't like an original thing, you just like gave them to me. You're yeah. like, you want to give me some money for when I'm like, I don't have any money. You're like, okay, take them. That horror hotel poster is gorgeous with all the ghouls and shit. Yeah, yeah. I, I had it hung up because it looks so fucking cool. People would come over and be like, oh, horror hotel, that movie's great. And I'm like, I'll take your word for it. I've never seen it. <laughs> now you know. And now I know. But like, I, I truly thought that it was like a monster mash movie. And so what's funny is that horror hotel. I take it that's. The American title of it's it? It's the American title. And it's, I guess, supposed to refer to the Raven's Inn where Nan stays and, you know, gets murdered in the basement. Is it another Psycho reference? I was just, I mean, the Bates Motel is a big part of no, Psycho. No. Is that too. Honestly, I mean, they could have been aware that Psycho was turning into a movie. To me, I'm just spitballing. Yeah, I, you, you might like, not be wrong. I think that they're coincidences. I, I yeah. really don't. I mean, most of the to to this film's credit, most of the movie takes place in an inn, which is a type of hotel. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but also it enrages me, and I feel like the story that you just told really emphasizes this point which is like both city of the dead and horror hotel are the most frustratingly generic titles that i'm sure it turned a lot of people off to this movie like give it a fucking better title yeah. can't can't you call it like the witches of whitewood or whatever the town is called or i don't know witching hour yeah the venom song yeah Which this definitely shows up in King Diamond. I think there are scenes from it in a King Diamond video. Yeah, and I also think Iron Maiden. Yes. Yeah. It's a beloved movie by I could metal see bands. King Diamond definitely loving this movie. So one thing that I think this is like a little different from Psycho is that after that big shower scene in Psycho and the movie continues on, it is compelling in a very different way. The focus that happens, like the characters that Sam, you were talking about earlier, the fucking brother and the boyfriend, oh. that like after this, it's like we're kind of straddled with these fucking ding-dongs. And the movie only then shines when like Christopher Lee is doing some devil shit. Yeah, he and, rolls up to town around then too. And there's there's some great fucking imagery. like, And there's the awesome... so. The only two people in town who seem to not be in on it, there's this old ass uh, priest. Maybe he's a preacher because he has a granddaughter, so he can't really be a Catholic priest. But he's like holed up in the only remaining Christian church in town. And you have to ask yourself... If this has been a town full of witches since sometime in the Just 1600s, how is Grandpa still in the church? But yeah. you, his... you'd think, like after, like you know, the the fiftieth like hot blonde coed got her fucking head cut off and like laid out on like you know a plate with like raw lamb meat or, or something or the... that. 
that he'd be like, okay, you know what? Maybe I'll move Time my to church to Shelbyville or something. Even the fucking antique shop that's open well, there. Like, so who's that's, buying stuff? But that, like, that's supposedly run by his granddaughter, who is another young, early 20s, cute, shows up in town, has no idea what's going on. But Have you yeah, who been... are her cli- who's her clientele? Right. Here's the thing, though. I feel like I've been to some fucking towns that feel like this. You know what I'm saying? Like, like every almost every state in the Northeast has like That's one of those point. fucking towns that like has like weirdly has like an arts district and like there's like a bunch of like fucking shops that just sell like purple rocks. We're only seeing like, Main Street though, so there could be like lots of people that live in this town that like are just oblivious to all the witchcraft and stuff. I don't know. There are a lot of people in the witch cult. Yo, the fucking town that uh. Where Exum does their their shit, Phoenixville. Phoenixville, yeah, yeah, with the Colonial Theater. That town to me, like walking around it, like no way. That's nah. like a suburban hell. That's not like a weird small town. Yeah, I guess you're right. I don't know. I feel like there's a little like, you know, there are some really cool Victorian style houses, but it's like they're clearly occupied by politically motivated new rich people. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, let's not call them witches. Well, no. but we on... still should probably burn them at the stake, though, right? All for it. Okay, well, there's living on the shore, though, like in the off season before, like all the old houses got knocked down to make those like ugly four story, like a house on top of a house on top of a house houses. Like once it got to like September, you walked around. It felt like some like witchy Lovecraft shit where like there's nobody around, but there are still a lot of stores open. Like I was just dog sitting for my sister like in fucking December and I walked over to like the market. And of course, like it was open. There's somebody at the register, but I was the only customer in this huge market. There's also now that we're talking about this i feel like there's this whole subset of people who drive around vermont and new york and connecticut and find weird small towns that like i have been to some of them they are beautiful and weird and people go there just to antique because the prices are cheaper yeah so oh. all right we've now justified so, this yeah, plot yeah, element yeah. i mean it, it, it never detracted the movie for me but yeah. no you know this town is accursed started 20 years ago. It was the night of the Valentine's Day dance, the Union Hall, the biggest event of the year. It had been a tradition for over a hundred years. Everybody was there except for seven miners who were out at the Hannigan But the, yeah, really my only big complaint is the, the two idiots who were stuck with in the second half of the movie, but we also didn't say, and we don't have to talk about him much. I would like to do it in a future episode. Is this is the first movie directed by John Llewellyn Moxie, who people might not know his name, yeah, but the hell is that? he directed a lot of really interesting made for TV horror movies in the 70s, tons of TV episodes like Murder She Wrote, Magnum P.I., like lots of mystery and horror stuff. He directed Night Stalker. And Night Stalker. Oh. Home for the Holidays, he yeah. directed the horror movie. Did we watch that? I, I feel like... I have, but I watched I have, it. Wait, is that a slasher it's, movie? It's kind of. It's wait, like an Aaron Spelling. Wait, wait, wait. Is that the one that slasher. feels like a porno? No. What's the one like holiday movie that's like kind of like a porno, but it's not a porno? Christmas Evil? 
I'm, no, I'm no. kidding. Um, I'm the kidding. one with David Hess. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. Oh, all through the night. Yes. Yeah. Which is my new favorite. Yeah. It like that he directed. Yes, that's it. <laughs> well, what's what's the why does it feel like a porno? Like it's because not... it was directed by a guy who's in porn. Maybe that was it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, David Hess is a porn star. Yeah. Hang on, let me Google him real quick. <laughs> but oh, yeah. yeah it's he's it, a porn star all right i feel like when you look at some of john llewellyn moxie's later films which we will definitely watch we for ages we've been talking about doing like a 70s made for tv horror marathon and we'll have to put some of his movies in there but he's really good at building suspense and i feel like you see that happen in this movie have you ever seen nightmare at badham county no. It's his Southern Women in Prison movie. And what's interesting about it is it's one of like the few movies that they played a lot in China because Wild. It, it made the U.S. justice system look like absolutely abhorrent. So it was like a hit in China, oddly enough. They sh- could have shown a lot of black exploitation movies. Wait, which right. <laughs> do the this was a uh, John Lewin Moxie movie? Yes, yes. And, I'm sorry. What was it called again? Nightmare at Badham County. Whoa, that sounds sick. It's cool. Yeah. yeah, he has a really interesting underrated career. Wait, was this like one of his first movies? Or uh, yeah, I'd imagine City so. of the Dead was his first movie. Okay, oh, well, that makes That's sense. A, so, and he's British. He, all right. Well, you know what? Then I'm gonna stop being such a fucking ding dong about my little like hangups that I have with this movie. Yeah, this movie's gorgeous. It, it is gorgeous. It I wonder if he really had um, and it's his first flick. Yeah, I, I wonder also, if that's another Bava parallel if he was like a cameraman beforehand because it's like there's stuff in here that's gorgeous. Yeah, I I think he was one of those people who sort of worked from the ground right. up, but it's also I think you have to give this movie credit because you know 1960 is such a pivotal year for many different kinds of horror, like Psycho. We talked about as a big one, Peeping Black Tom. Sunday, Peeping Tom. But there weren't really a ton of supernatural horror movies before this. Like, even witch movies, there's this one, like, kind of bad inner sanctum movie with Lon Chaney Jr. based on Conjure Witch, which is a Fritz Leiber novel that I think they made Burn Witch Burn is based on the same source material. Which is great, by the way. Yeah. Burn Witch Burn is great. But the Lon Chaney version, it's like similar vibe to city of the dead where it looks like it was made for like ten dollars but without the amazing camera work and effects or sets and everything and so it's like he's kind of coming from out of nowhere in a sense making something that captures that like awesome halloween witchy spirit it's amazing so the question that i was going to ask you before you started saying that was uh what is it about city of the dead that you find so unique or compelling but i think that perfectly kind of answers it but i i I guess uh same question to you john it's i i said earlier it's one of those movies that makes me think it's like the middle of october i'm waiting for halloween i'm eating count chocula and i'm i'm watching this movie yeah and it was nice to have that feeling right now like the middle of april the middle of april like jesus fucking christ the other day uh, me and Sam went to the park to buy some posters off the Thai poster Bliss guy. Fucking absolute hero. What a G. No witch poster. Well, we already bought a witch poster. Yeah, we got him. the witch from Nepal from him. <laughs> we got so many fucking sick Thai posters. But anyway, uh, we're sitting in the park. Beautiful fucking day. I'm looking at this tree. 
and the tree is blooming. And I'm like, you're the most beautiful tree I've ever seen in my life. Like you're fucking filled with flowers. Little did I know that this fucking piece of shit tree was just like raining fucking death on me. Death pollen. So if I yeah, if I sound a little funny, it's because I've been breathing through my fucking mouth for two days, like just like a softball of mucus. Why am I talking about this? Oh yeah, because to watch a movie like this in the middle of springtime and to have that feeling like I'm eating fucking Count Chocula, like in my underwear watching fucking, you know, it was like, this is so nice. It's so nice to be like halfway home, you know what I'm saying? Halfway to October. And- yeah, I don't know. I feel like for me, I have started to make a tradition of watching Full Car and Witch Movies for Valpurgisnacht. Like, this was interrupted by quarantine, but there were a couple years in a row where I helped put on events at Philomoca, which is like a local venue that happened on Valpurgisnacht like one year. I did a whole lecture about depictions of Satanism on screen and introduced this Anton LaVey documentary. Another year, I like led people in this effigy burning ritual on the roof and we watched Wicker Man. So in my head, this is now and maybe it is like a like a taste of Halloween six months early. I think it's become like a nice little time of year for me when I can capture this vibe and it's not just October. Yeah, and it's like the teaser trailer. That's another thing that goes back to like the beginning where we're talking about the like how these these holidays were so right next to each other because February 2nd is this um, Catholic holiday. I can't remember the the name of it, but Candlemas apparently. One of the many saint days. I don't think it's a saint. It starts with an H. But I think like one, I think that's what put it in my head where it's like, oh, the witch holiday is the day before because it's going to be in mockery of that. Well, it's not in mockery because the witch holiday came first and the Catholic Church was like, okay, okay. we can't get yeah. people. So, it's yeah, the, it's, the, it's the Catholic one that's the fucking mockery. Okay. Yeah. So the deal is basically the Catholic Church couldn't get people to stop celebrating these holidays. Right. So they just sort of slapped a Catholic holiday on top of it. You can find tons of examples of this, of like regional holidays in Italy and Spain, like super Catholic places where their depictions of Catholicism or the way that they worship feel really pagan. And this is something that when people started to come over to the United States and wanted to relocate and wanted a place to practice their own religion, a lot of those people like Protestants and Puritans, part of what they hated so much about Catholics is they felt like Catholicism was too pagan. So it's like if Catholicism doesn't want you to have fun, Puritanism is just like, whoa. Yeah, we we don't even want you to fucking like walk in a not straight line down the fucking no sidewalk. No feasting, no dancing, no lighting candles. If you have sex, you better not have an orgasm. Yeah, unless don't you dare you're enjoy a guy it. and you're about to produce a child. Well, the funny thing about February 2nd is some Pennsylvanian groundhog kind of just what yeah. rubbed its dick all over everything. It's just like, let's but, the, but that's so pagan. Yes, it is. Yeah, it yeah, is. You pull some groundhog out of a tree, right and there. if it sees its shadow, that is, yeah. yeah. It's hell the yeah. most oh, pagan yeah. thing hell ever. Yeah, yeah. That's... What's his name? Pucks Tawny Phil? Hell yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. That's him. That's and... M- my birthday, bud. 
Well, and that holiday is a festival of lights. It's a beautiful, cheerful holiday that doesn't actually... It's supposed to Wait, like... hang on. You're saying Groundhog's Day is a festival of lights. I'm pretty bulk, sure that's Hanukkah. In bulk. Candle mass. That's <laughs> oh, a festival of lights. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's not really a festival where you, you know, kidnap some co-eds and murder them. But it could be if you're this particular type of witch. Yeah. All right, I know you hate picking favorites, Sam, mm-hmm. but I'm going to ask you anyway. What is your favorite witch flick? Or like, okay, or like your favorite devil, ritual, pagan, folky horror movie? Well, since in this episode we're really only talking about British movies, that, or at least that's what we watched. So in my head, that narrows it down. Blood on Satan's Claw. Fuck yeah. It might be tied with The Wicker Man, but I feel like The Wicker Man is, it's one of the greatest horror movies of all time, but it's such a predictable answer that I also have to say Blood on Satan's Claw. Blood on Satan's Claw is so fucking good. It's yeah. so like weird too. Like it, like you can see some of these witch movies, how like they kind of tie together. And that, but Blood Blood and Satan's Claw is very fucking atypical. I, I think Blood on Satan's Claw is like scary. Yeah. I mean, I was, like, unsettled for a little while, and then there's that scene in the middle of the movie that's, like, kind of rough and intense. The, oh, yeah. The witch's mass in the middle of the woods where there's a weird ritualized rape, that scene? Yeah. Yes. So after that scene, I, like, that scene was so intense that for the rest of the movie, I was on edge because I was like, now what? Is it going to happen know, like again? I, like I, or like something worse is going to happen because that was like the halfway point. Like there's going to be some. So I like I felt unsafe yeah. afterwards and I was like, damn, I'm watching a fucking British movie and I'm like legit fucking scared and like unsafe feeling. It's much more aggressive. Yeah. It's more like an exploitation movie almost. And, and the fact that like there's like very few sets like it feels like it's all shot on location in like the fucking 1400s in like hell town and it's just so intense I, yeah blood on satan's claws is, is wonderful it's later right isn't it early 70s it's 71 yeah. yeah it's interesting because it's like the polar opposite to city of the dead where like if city of the dead is this gorgeous atmospheric black and white movie clearly all shot on one sound stage then blood on satan's claw it's like there are like three indoor scenes in the whole movie and in all of them you can like see the outside through a window and it's so green and beautiful and another thing that's very different about the two is that there are times in city of the dead where they start talking about some like devil shit and it almost seems like the script writers are like pulling their punches like they don't want to like actually say an incantation and have everyone on set like you know go poof and and burst into flames i mean with those cast members it probably would have been for the best yes but blood on satan's claw it felt like they were like opening some doors at times and i was like this is fucking yeah if you watch it on mushrooms it's scary i bet i was fucking scared just like stone cold sober which is you know not usually <laughs> my natural state <laughs> uh, how about how about you john uh what would you say is your your favorite witch flick or and, and no take that broadly oh well this is a generic answer then because then it would probably be rosemary's baby what the fuck oh 
Wow, I, I mean, was they're... not expecting that at well, all. Yeah, but I mean, like witch cult. Yeah, sure. yeah. Your friendly high-rise apartment witch cult. That's although the... the Dakota's not really a high-rise, but you know what I mean. Right, but it's very like like different because I think of folk horror with witch movies. And, totally, and yeah. like and Rosemary's Baby is so clearly a New York City movie. But yeah, I, but yeah, it, like like Sam said, it feels like such a generic answer. But like I have to be honest. Yeah, but. Things are great for a reason. And honestly, the one thing that I randomly will find myself thinking about during the day is the opening title card for Rosemary's Baby, which has this like beautiful pink cursive font that like you would never expect to open a horror movie. And it just I love it. And and you know what? The bad guys really win in that one. They sure there well is, they do yeah. in a lot of the movies we watched, which I think is why we chose them. Cry but, the Banshee. Yeah. Oh yeah. But Wicker Man, definitely. Yeah. And it's funny how like we say bad guys win when at times, like not in all of them for sure, but at times like like you're on the side of the fucking witches. You're like, yeah, fucking get your revenge on this town. Sacrifice that fucking virgin. Like your crops are failing, you know. You gotta, you gotta do something your about this mess. Your horrible here. capitalist society is failing. Yeah, and it seems like, yeah, like the values that you know a lot of these pagan religions espouse are just so much more in line with, I guess, like my personal <laughs> values as well. I mean, I'm not gonna like you know worship the fucking sun god or anything, but like, yeah, the sun. Thanks for the fucking you know. uh light dude <laughs> i think one reason though is that they just make like the main character so stiff and square oh my god that's my com my honestly my biggest complaint with rosemary's baby is i can't fucking stand rosemary woodhouse like i just can't wait for her to be you know right. taken over by the witches oh no i like her i think she's cute she's so obnoxious i, I was worried you're gonna say john C cassavetes because i think he's like a good ham in that movie so he's great in that i i've definitely heard other podcasts and like read essays where people talk about how much they hate cassavetes because of how misogynistic he is and his character in this movie especially and it's like he's this opportunist yeah and that's yeah. clearly i remember like they they I think it was either the author or Polanski himself said that like he's a he's the type of guy who looks at himself in the mirror a lot. Yeah, and he clearly is playing that role super well, right. but it's yeah. like you see that character type in so many movies and especially in American like Hollywood 50s and 60s movies presented in a positive light as this like go-getter who's going to get a bunch of promotions and who's going to, you know, have success in their profession. And here, I think it's fairly shown in yeah. a negative, selfish light. Wow, I, I'm still kind of like jarred that you said Rom Rosemary's Baby because f to me, in my head, like even though I said to you, like, all right, take it broad, think whatever, like any which movie you want, I was thinking you were gonna say like Mark of the Devil or something, and and then what you just said afterward afterwards about how it's not really a folk horror movie. Uh, I was like, oh, yeah, obviously there are fucking witch movies that aren't full car movies. But to me, like, I, I for some reason in my head, I wasn't like unsquaring that circle that like. I mean, yeah, like if I really thought about it, I might think of something else. But yeah, I just like I love it. I, I've seen it in the theater multiple times. So, it's fucking just it slays. But like, I guess what I'm getting at is like that 
intersection between witch movies and folk horror obviously isn't that it's a little rigid. nebulous. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think there are definitely folk horror movies. Sorry, there's literally a black cat scratching on my chair right now. Uh, Appropriate for this episode. Yes. There are folk horror movies that have witches, like Blood on Satan's Claw and Wicker Man, definitely. And then there are witch movies that aren't folk horror, like Rosemary's Baby or like uh, Nick Rogue's The Witches yes, with yes. Angelica Houston and her wild makeup. And I think folk horror is... Definitely a subgenre that I would love us to do more episodes on in the future, but it's so hard to define because it really, it's, I think it captures this feeling of horror stories that have to do with the land and old beliefs and myths and legends. And so I really, I've, we talked about this a little bit on the Texas episode, I think, where Texas Chainsaw Massacre has times where it feels a little bit like an American folk horror movie, but yeah, without even trying. Like, well, like I they, think like, it's intentional. Well, yeah, but I don't think they set out thinking like, yeah, this is going to be like folk horror. Like, yeah, I don't think folk horror was really defined as a thing until like the '90s. But it's it's like once you say to somebody oh the wicker man is full car it's like oh okay i i know what that is they're outside they're worshiping the earth and nature or the thing that's getting them like the antagonist is some sort of creature from a folk tale and so it's it's so hard to describe but i i feel like kayla's documentary which is has a very long title uh woodlands dark and days bewitched covers in sort of exhaustive detail really what folk horror is and how it shows up in all these different countries like eastern europe and south america and so it's like while we're talking about a couple of british made witch movies we could have a podcast where we only talked about witch movies and we probably wouldn't run out of things do you regard black magic as being purely fictitious, or is there some truth in it? Some truth. 100% truth. There is nothing fictitious about black magic. In any way, whatever. It is a fact. It is a fact uh, which has existed for several thousand years. I mean, when we talk about black magic, we are talking about Satanism, necromancy, alchemy, witchcraft, the worship of uh, Satan, um, the worship of dark forces, whether it's voodoo, juju, whether it's something practiced in the Western world or the Eastern world, uh, whether it's uh, easily defined or not easily defined, the order of the left-hand path, the, the following of this, the following of that, it is basically the worship of the force of evil as embodied by Satan, Lucifer, the princes of darkness and their legions and so on. In a very simple sense, of course, it goes much more deeply than that. It does exist. It exists around us today. Satanic ceremonies will be happening in Britain tonight. Very definitely. Ask any priest, ask any member of the forces of law and order, and they will tell you that Satanism as such, it's there, and it has been for thousands of years. Man has worshipped the devil longer than he has worshipped, um, perhaps, an established religious figure. Do you think you're in any danger in mimicking it in front of a camera? No, that's an interesting question, because uh, I must admit that it did enter our minds when we were performing some of these ceremonies. You see, I am playing, as I told you, a priest. 
the various ceremonies that are carried out by the priest, in this case myself, and the members of his group or coven, are blasphemous ceremonies, totally blasphemous and totally profane. They have to be, that is to say, they must be profane and blasphemous to be effective. This is part of the ritual and part of the belief of these people, that in order to make any kind of ceremony totally effective, it must be the exact diametrical opposite of the real ceremony. That is to say, if you make the sign of the cross, you do it like that, upside down. If you are going to carry out a satanic ceremony, whether it's a baptism or a particular group of people doing something, like trying to raise an elemental or trying to create a, the, the perfect situation for an evil spirit or trying to produce evil vibrations and so on, they plug in, so to speak, the force of evil, like plugging in on the switchboard with a telephone. Um, in order for this to be effective, it must be carried out, as I've already said, by a consecrated person, i.e. a priest, and it must also be carried out on consecrated ground. Now, in this film, I, as a priest, am carrying out these ceremonies, like baptism, in the name of the Dark Lord, in a real church. You just finished reading uh, Sylvia Federici's Caliban and the Witch? Yes. Oh, my God. It's my new favorite book. Yeah, wow. You read that book really fucking fast, Sam. I mean, I'm a fast reader, especially when I'm hyped about something. Don't you have a job or something, though? Yeah. Those are overrated. Like six of them? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but this book is amazing. And so one of the things that we haven't really talked about is, aside from being one of my favorite holidays, Beltane, May 1st is also a wonderful leftist political holiday and Federici's book kind of unites the two ideas. Her book is all about the medieval witch hunts in Europe. And basically she talks about them as intentionally on the part of European governments as being a way of destroying the way of life in the medieval world and basically creating capitalism and the capitalist system that we have now and this attack on women and women who were herbalists and doctors and sold charms and gave you know what we might think of as sort of weird folkish advice were or even just poor women were persecuted and murdered I think the number is up for debate among historians, but it's believed to be like 200,000, 100,000 women. And her book is basically all about how this wasn't some random religious whimsy, like let's kill all of these people who don't accept our beliefs or who don't believe the same thing as us. It was killing anybody who thought about uh, romantic relationships and sex and procreation and birth control and abortion and work and play in different ways to create the horrible capitalist system that we are all, you know, languishing under now. What's it called again? Caliban and the Witch, which is a reference to the Tempest. Okay. Uh, and the Tempest has this character who's the son of a witch and he is sort of struggling against... Prospero, who's one of the main characters of the Tempest, who's a he's a sorcerer. So there's this whole kind of discussion in her book between like how male practitioners of magic, like court astrologers in medieval Europe, were given these like celebrated positions, or sometimes they were given like a slap on the wrist by the church, but they weren't set on fire. 
or, you know, right. tortured for weeks. And I think it gives a different context to a lot of these movies where, like, yes, a lot of these witch characters are painted to be Satan worshipers and they're evil. Aside from in The Wicker Man, where I feel like you really start to see this shift, like, Maybe there are people who just want to live in their own type of society and don't want to be repressed by these power structures. Is this true? Wizard of Oz is where we get the uh, our generic interpretation of a witch. With not the true. That is not true. Well, okay. it, it is true in one sense in that um, that generic interpretation of a witch that like that drawing, the picture that you that you yeah, have, the hat, the the nose, um, the wart. that usually she was orange the wizard of oz when they were doing like color stuff they're like yo let's make her fucking green oh yeah i so guess i've the seen the green witch is is usually attributed to the wizard of oz because it was usually orange yeah i'm an idiot because i have seen vintage halloween decorations long before wizard of oz. no not yeah. me myself i was it's... not born then but like like seeing orange witches and like old like things i'm like well yeah. this is cool once you like, said that i was like oh yeah i've seen those like old beast what were they? Beastol? The, yes. The those old are Halloween so decorations. Cool. Yeah. Well, the extra disturbing thing is that sort of modern day depiction of a witch wearing all black with a pointed hat and this big nose. That comes from another form of persecution that was happening at the same time as the witch hunts, which were the, you know, numerous pogroms of Jews. And so Jewish people were written in, in these caricatures based on some of the things that they traditionally wore in medieval communities. So that's where the pointed hat comes from and the black robes and the big nose. And there was this whole thing that the Nazis actually wound up using in their propaganda, which was that Jews the way they celebrate the Sabbath, which is similar to what the inquisitors said about witches was that they will take Christian children and murder them because they have to use, you know, Christian babies blood in their rituals. And so there are all these really disturbing parallels between anti-Semitism in medieval Europe and the witch hunts and like how that shows up in popular culture now. It's, yeah. It's I, gross. I, I remember reading about how like, that whole like Jewish blood ritual resurfaces every like like the satanic panic yeah was like a take on that and now like it's a big thing with like the QAnon guys right now where they're like oh these people have like weird fucking they need to eat you know Christian babies to like worship their fucking bank god or something they are the most delicious and fucking baby meats the best I don't think there are many movies where you see witches killing babies the witch i think was the only one i can think of yeah we'll have to oh, the we'll have to consult the, the... erica the expert on baby deaths yeah she would know but i think probably the witch sam i have a question for you this is a movie i'm, I'm very fond of uh, nostalgic but i still stand up for it and no it's not my real number one witch movie but i always want to know your opinion of it the blair witch project oh my god it's a witch movie. No, no, no. I'm not asking what is what's your thoughts, your overall I not if it's a witch movie. I hate the Blair Witch Project. So I went to see it opening weekend, like many other people, and just 
didn't like I feel like this was maybe the my real turning point towards hating new horror I know it's not a new movie at this point but like when it came out I was you know super into European horror and all these cult movies and was like cool this interesting sounding movie is out I'll go see it the shaky cam made me so sick that I like basically couldn't follow the movie and just wasn't scared didn't feel any atmosphere i was just angry the whole time i'm i'm a blair witch man yeah i, fuck I, with the blair I know witch. so many people who are well i always feel like i stand alone because like all like normie people are like that movie's dumb you don't see anything and then all people who like love horror movies that i know like real horror movies are just like that's dumb so i always kind of feel like i'm stuck in this middle i'm like no this movie's actually uh, pretty fucking creepy well our friend michael is a huge fan of Blair Witch 2. So Book of Shadows? Yes. I've never seen it. We saw Blair Witch, the Oh my god, I totally forgot yeah. about that. Well, it's I like mean the movie the, was insane. The, the reboot. Yeah. There's a reboot? Yeah, Adam yeah. Wingard yeah, 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 did yeah. it. No, it's not a reboot. It's a, it's a sequel that ignores the part two. Wow. Who made it? What a world. Adam Wingard. Wingard. Who the fuck is Adam Wingard? Godzilla versus Kong. You're next. Oh, but like another thing, like Blair Witch Project came out when I was 13 and like um, all the horror movies that are like really good, I rented and like Scream and stuff was out and like I was young enough that like I enjoyed it. But when Blair Witch came out, like it looked like something else. It looked like it did not look like one of those MTV slasher movies. And I was just like fucking like starving. I was like, this looks like a legitimately fucking like authentic, scary fucking movie. And I went to the theaters three times to see it. And there was a line like out the door. And, yeah, like, like Phantom Menace fucking line. Yeah, which was just like two months prior because it was the same summer or that was like the spring. So the fact that this other horror movie was getting like that kind of response was blowing my mind. Like to me, I thought I was the only kid like renting horror movies from Orbit Video. And then like each time I couldn't get in because it was sold out. And then finally, and oh, the other thing was I had to get the fucking, it was playing at the theater that did not let me into R-rated movies. <laughs> like the the, uh, the Tilton down the road did, but this one, of course not. But finally, my sister, she was, you know, seven years older than me. She's like, I'll take you, Johnny. She's going to take me. It was her and her friends. And they're like, they've been hearing about it. They've been trying to get in and getting like turned down. And I'm fucking like, so finally we get in line and the guy comes out and he's like, all right, everybody, Runaway Bride is sold out. And I'm like, uh, okay, that's fine. Five minutes later, it comes out. Blair Witch is sold out. They're less like, okay, we're going to get tickets for the next showing. So we stayed in line and we get tickets for the next showing. Fucking get in the car and we're driving around. It's about an hour away. My sister gets in a fight with her friends. I do not know what's going on, <laughs> but they just start arguing. And I'm doing like my fucking like Luke hanging on like Bespin, trying to like telepathically communicate to Leia. Just be like, Kate, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Don't get them mad so we can't go. Of course, they have this whole blowout. Can't see the fucking movie. I had to wait until video. I had to get that out. Yo, I've been this holding is, that story. That's the most heartbreaking thing oh I ever God. heard in my you life. You were cursed by the Blair Witch. I, three times I went to see it. Damn. Couldn't get in. That sucks, I had man. to watch it on video by myself, which, like, in a way, was probably the better way of seeing it. But still, I would have loved yeah. to have seen that in a big theater. I wonder if I would have liked it more if I had seen it on a smaller screen 
because it was just like the screen was too big and it was one of those screenings where it was just like turned up loud enough that it was like you were uncomfortable right so between the like shaky camera like that that was my biggest issue with it yeah yeah and i think i was a little too old like if i had been 12 or 13 and saw it i probably would have liked it a lot i i mean like i lived in the woods too so it was like in my fucking ballpark I don't know. I, I have a thing. I kind of like, now I'm thinking about it, not to get like pretentious about it, but the fact that it's like folk horror wood stuff, but with like modern technology, like it's about people carrying cameras and sound yeah. equipment. It's kind of like a neat little take on it. Yeah, I, I do think I wanted to like it. And I think it's a really interesting thing to do with folk horror is to find a way to bring the modern world into those stories and modern technology something that does that really well even though it's not super modern is the stone tape oh yes yeah which is so good uh well i don't know that one that's uh by the guy who wrote the Quatermass. yeah stuff. nigel neal yes uh and peter strickland wound up making a sort of remake reinterpretation of it for radio that's really cool and if you haven't seen the stone tape it's definitely folk horror but it's all about these like radio recordings and they think they're picking up this spectral presence that sounds really cool yeah i wish there was a little bit more of that like how does technology enter into this right but really in the movies we watch technology just means like Having a sick ass ritual and yeah. setting someone on fire or cutting their head off. Yeah, well, technology in a lot of these movies are kind of played as like it's cutting us off from all of that. So it's a, yeah. a bad thing. But I like that kind of Lovecraft or Ghostbusters, like science versus supernatural thing that some movies have. Agreed. I think that's always really interesting. And one movie that I, I don't know, maybe I don't want to go on this tangent. I was going to go on a tangent about The Haunted Palace, which is this great Roger Corman, H.P. Lovecraft, Vincent Price movie where Vincent Price is like channeled by his witch ancestor. It's the Charles Dexter Ward one. Yes, it's so good. Um, Really, I just want to tell people to watch it if they haven't seen it and want a weird American full car thing. But... You haven't answered the question, which is, what's your favorite witch movie? Ooh. Wow, I totally forgot about that. Damn, sorry. I had an answer in my head like a half an hour ago. Uh, Of Oz the Wizard? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Of Oz the Wizard. That was brutal. I had to go. I couldn't do it. Oh, my gosh. So if anyone listening doesn't know what Of Oz the Wizard is. Don't Google it. It is a. Don't uh, watch it on YouTube. Some very industrious young editor. Young sadist. Recut the entire film of The Wizard of Oz to have every spoken word in alphabetical order. That's why it's called Of Oz the Wizard. Spoken word and sighs and laughs and screams. It, it, It was a grueling watch that like melted my fucking brain so definitely that's not my favorite uh which which movie although if you're somebody who is interested in the experience of being on drugs but you're opposed to doing any 
watch of Oz the Wizard and you will have experienced it by the end. Absolutely. But like in a bad way. Yeah. I guess, so I know we didn't really touch on this topic because we were covering which movies where the witchcraft was like a real thing. But the movies where it is just women who are being persecuted who aren't necessarily actually like in league with the devil. Excuse me, anyone with a vagina is automatically in league with the devil. Yes, yes. this is yes. true. You've been around long <laughs> enough to know that. Uh, is uh, probably Mark of the Devil. Like that's, I mean, like the fucking it slays. Yeah, it's such a nasty movie, and you know, I've never seen Witchfinder General. Oh my, you're fixing that in October. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I I can't wait to watch it's that. It's so this... fucking good. Although we did watch an interesting crossover, which is Cry of the Banshee, where Vincent Price plays the same type of Witchfinder General character, where he's this like powerful local magistrate who pretty much persecutes all these women and claims that they're witches and has them raped and tortured and killed and but this movie sort of posits like what if he stumbles across this coven of witches who are real and then they seek vengeance on him and his horrible spoiled adult children so i feel like you Six months ahead of Halloween, you got a little taste of Witchfinder General. But yeah. Cry of the Banshee is great. And this it wouldn't like spoil it for you because you got six months to go before you watch. Oh, the my God. If you watch and, them back to back, it might. And my short term memory, I'm not going to remember a goddamn thing. And his performances are also pretty different. Yeah. Here, he reminds me a little bit of the character he plays in Mask of the Red Death, where he's also a Satan worshiper. Yes. But he's very like what I would call fancy Vincent Price. Right, right, right. Which I love. And in Witchfinder General, he is not fancy. No, he's just total scumbag. It's his grossest role, but he thought it was his best. You got any uh, shout-outs? My only shout-out is to shout at the devil. I love that guy, Satan. Uh, We have a little book club that we're doing. Uh, We just got done finishing... Cornell Woolrich's noir classic, Night Has a Thousand Eyes. And our next book is Franz Fanon's seminal work, The Wretched of the Earth, which I kind of can't wait to do. I'm so hyped about. And I feel like I should have picked something more fun, but sorry. No, I can't wait to read that book. What's it called? The Wretched of the Earth. Sick. That sounds cool. Yeah, he's this amazing... Like, trained to be a psychiatrist and then wound up basically becoming a social theorist and philosopher and wrote all about the French-Algerian War. And I think his work is a little bit more overlooked than people like Jean-Paul Sartre or Foucault because he's not white and doesn't, like, you know, come from that same sort of tightly laced, snobby, French tradition but if you want to read along with us May 1st is indeed the perfect day to start reading The Wretched of the Earth fuck yeah May Day rules it's so funny when we uh, when you were pitching the episode you were like yeah we're talking about fucking witches Valpurgis knocked May Day when you said May Day in my head I was thinking of the like international workers holiday why do people shout May Day like when a plane's going down or something Mayday, mayday. I think it's a radio signal. Okay. 
Yeah, it's just uh, it's like breaker one. You don't, you don't like open the window and shout it. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> the, the flight attendants running through the aisles, just shouting. But I mean, like, throwing trays at people. I know it's like a thing you say, like when like you're trying to tell whoever that the plane's going down. I think it's along the same lines of like a Charlie One Niner kind of right. radio broadcast language. If you like the show, it comes out a week early on Sam's Patreon. Three bucks a month, you get uh, episodes early. Six dollars a month, and uh, you get all the things. All the things. All the video essays and audio commentaries and feet pictures. It's a real wealth of uh, of good stuff on there. <laughs> it's my feet pictures. It, just yeah. so you know. <laughs> yeah, Sam's trying to pawn off John's fucking feet over there. Oh, I think the yeah. cat wants to eat dinner. Yeah, it's fucking. It's back girl time. All right, see you later, everybody. Night. Hail Satan.